Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Foundations Podcast, October 9th, 2016. Hey, what's up, FC? I'm Bobby. Welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're joining us this week. My voice is nearly back to normal, much to the chagrin of the advertisers who were eager to use me to sell cheeseburgers on television, but I feel great, and I'm ready for whatever loud talking emergencies might come up from here on in. Before we get to the sermon, let me talk loudly for a second about what's happening right now at Foundations Church. All right, so we've got a two-man golf scramble on October the 22nd at 8 a.m. at Bailey Ranch Golf Club. The only other time I've ever heard anyone use the word scramble is in reference to eggs, so I'm not entirely sure what kind of strange breakfast activity this might be. But you can sign up in the lobby on Sunday if you're interested. Or hungry? I don't, I don't really know. It's $45 a person, and it's limited to the first 20 to sign up, so don't forget. Also, the plunge is November 6th. This is our baptism service, and we believe that participating in this sacrament and making your faith known publicly is a necessary step for a believer after accepting the salvation of Jesus. If you're ready to take the plunge, you can sign up on our website or by emailing info at foundationschurch.tv. Without any further ado, I present to you a man who once politely pretended to laugh at a joke cracked by the most interesting man in the world, Pastor Justin Grace. Yeah, buddy. Hey, I love God, but yes, yes. Um, Let's give Bobby Ross a huge round of applause. He's doing an awesome job with all of our videos. Um, Bobby, thank you for all that you do week in and week out. He is totally bringing our game uh, to the next level. But hey, we're in a series called I Love God But, and, and it really is like a bad breakup line with God. We, we talked last week about I love God, but I have commitment issues, and I have problems committing all my ways to you, and, and I'm real good at some of my ways, but you're asking for all my ways. And if you missed last week, man, we want you to step in and, and go back and watch the video or download the podcast so that you have a chance to hear that message. Um, but this week, I want to talk to you about a message, and I'm going I'm to put kind of a, just a little uh, warning on this message. For a lot of you here, this message is going to hurt your feelings. Um, but what I have learned about me is when God brings correction and he brings truth into my life, why it may hurt my feelings, it's for my benefit. And I don't want us to ever forget that. You may get your feelings hurt, not because I'm being mean or I'm preaching hell, fire, and brimstone from this place today, or I'm mad, but I want the best for you, and I want God's best for you. And sometimes that means that we've got to receive correction, and we can't just drift through life because good intentions don't get you to your destination, do they? But it's making the right choices that get you to the place you want to be. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the topic that many of us would say we don't struggle with, but when we kind of unfold this and kind of um, just kind of get into this subject a little bit more, I think some of us would be like, man, that is me. I'm struggling with that 
today. I'm struggling with some areas of my life with that today. And today, I want to talk to you because here we are. Some of us, we love God, but we hate others. We love God, but we hate others. You know what hate is? It just means a great dislike for and as we grow up and we're, we, we've got our kids and, you know, when our kids come up and, and eventually one of them is going to say this, I hate that person. And we as parents are like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't say you hate anyone. You can say you hate the Texas Longhorns, but you cannot say that you hate. So, you know, we, we teach them about what they can and what they can't. You, you can't hate someone, but... but for a lot of us, why we wouldn't say we hate someone, we, we, we hate them, we do have a great dislike for them. I don't like them at all. If you have said these words, and this is, this is what I say, I don't say I hate them. I say I can't stand them. You may struggle a little bit with the topic we're talking about today. Uh, here's what the Bible says about hate. And, and we get into this and our, our homework for this week, for all of us here, I'm going to challenge all of you to get in the book of First John and read it week after week, after day after day of this week. Um, but First John is kind of your homework to go back and read. But First John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, and then we're going to jump to verses 19 through 21, says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love God doesn't know God because God is love. Verse 19, we love because he, God, first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. The way I say it, if you love God, you've got to love his people. This is pretty extreme. It says this, if you say you love God, you claim to love God, verse 20, yet hate, you hate a brother or sister, you're a liar. John throws it, he doesn't mix words. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't ever like being called a liar. I'm not a liar. You know, I'm maybe a lot of things. Spastic, yes. A little crazy, yes. But a liar, no. And sometimes we say things and we think we're this, but in reality, we're something else. Because just because you say you're something, it doesn't mean you're something. In 2011, um, we went to, and I've told this story before, but it just fits so perfect here. We went to see uh, one of my best buddies in Miami, and we stayed in Fort Lauderdale. And while we were in Fort Lauderdale, we stayed at the Marriott right there on the beach. It was awesome. Um, and while we were staying there, <clears throat> the Denver Broncos came and stayed at our hotel, like the team, the Denver Broncos. And it was awesome. Um, these guys are 
massive. Like there was no question who was a football player and who wasn't. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe the punter, you're like, okay, you might be the kicker. But um, the, the guys were huge. And this was back when Tebow was still playing football instead of baseball. And he was quarterback for the, the Denver Broncos or trying to be the quarterback. And there was another quarterback there named Kyle Orton that some of you may know about. And uh, I remember we, everybody was like, where, where are the Denver Broncos here? Is Tim Tebow here? Because we're in Florida. Tim Tebow is a big deal. And so everybody's freaking out. Oh, there's Tim Tebow, you know, and trying to catch and get autographs and all this stuff. And, um, you know, running up, would you sign my chest? That may have been me. But, um, you know, we, we do, we, it, was, it was a big deal. And the, the morning, the, the day after the Denver Broncos get there, I go downstairs to the Starbucks in the lobby because um, I need coffee in the morning. I don't know about you, um, but I went down to get coffee. I've got my hat on. I've got kind of like a, 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 like a, just athletic outfit on, shorts, a t-shirt, or uh, and I'm down there and I'm, I'm just got my head down. All of a sudden I hear people whispering behind me. And anytime you hear people whispering about you, like, look at that guy, look at what's going on. You know, you're like, as a guy, I'm just going to tell you, as a guy, you try to do the most subtle fly check that you can do. You just kind of like slowly and you're like, okay, check. I was good there. Um, I tried to make sure I didn't have anything in my teeth, but it was morning. Um, and and I, I, I turn around, I place my order, I go away. And when I turn around, these mid-hires come and talk to me and they go, sir, they go, can we ask you a question? And I kind of look up and I'm like, yeah. And they go, are you Kyle Orton? <laughs> no, I didn't answer right away. <laughs> I just stopped with my head down and I'm like, am I Kyle Orton? Am I the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos? And I looked up at these mid-high kids and I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and they totally freaked out. And I'm like, man, you guys gotta keep it quiet. Shh. Keep it on the, you know, I just like try to start talking cool because I think like football players talk cool and not like me. So I'm like, you got to keep it on the DL, you know, keep it quiet. And they're like, can we get an autograph? I'm like, yeah, let, let's not make a big deal because I don't want a lot of people trying to get back up to my room and team meetings, you know? And so I'm signing autographs, Kyle Orton, and just making up a number because I didn't even know what his number was, number 18, you know? And they go, can we get a picture with you? And I'm like, sure. And we jump in and I'm like taking pictures and everything else. And they go, we can't wait to show our parents. And I'm like, they're going to be like, why are you taking a picture with a weird guy that's not Kyle Orton, you know? Um, and here's the deal. I was like, I can make these kids lives, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to say I'm Kyle Orton, but you know, I know just because I said it didn't make me Kyle Orton. Just because I said I was the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos didn't make me the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And here's what John is saying to us this morning. He's saying, just because you say you're a follower of Christ, just be, just, let, let's flesh this out a little bit more. Just because we go to church, just because we wear the t-shirts, just because we know how to talk the talk, John says this, just because you call yourself that. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. You're, something's not matching up. You're pulling a Kyle Orton. <laughs> You're claiming to be something that's just not true. And here's, what, here's why I want to talk to you about hate, because hate, hate never travels 
by itself. You know, if you listen to Yoda, the Jedi master, hate leads to the dark side, you know, um, you, you understand hate, there, there's not a good thing that comes from hate. Hate has a traveling companion. Anytime I travel, I always like to take someone with me um, because I hate traveling by myself, but also I like just accountability, somebody riding with me, going somewhere with me. Um, I just like that. And hate always has a travel companion. And that travel companion is unforgiveness. And where you see hate, you will find unforgiveness. And where you find unforgiveness, you will find hate. They are inseparable. And, and when we grew up, we, we heard, you know, uh, when I wanted to taste coffee, my parents said, well, coffee will stunt your growth. Well, you can tell that's not true. Um, not true. It, it doesn't stunt your growth, but it kept us away because we didn't want something to stunt our growth because we wanted to get as tall and as big as we could. Uh, and while that's not true, here's what I will tell you. Hate and unforgiveness will stunt your growth in Christ. It will stunt the growth that God wants to bring to your life because it puts a lid on what you can receive. And I will tell you this. Um, uh, unforgiveness and hate, it, it, can't, it can't move forward. It just, it constantly looks back at what happened to it. And you can't move forward while you're still looking back. And some of us, man, what has happened to us, what has been done to us, the wrong that has been done to us by a spouse, by our parents, by our kids, by our friends, you fill in the blank. Some of us, it's been big things and you, you're through a divorce and your ex-spouse still still is ruining your life and you have unforgiveness. Can I tell you, you can't move forward into the fullness of the relationships God wants to bring you while you're still looking backwards. You can't move forward while you're still looking back. And some of us, we think it's gotta be this big thing, but some of us, it's been that you've been talked about. And you can't make new relationships and you can't make new friendships and you can't let people in because you're still looking back instead of moving forward. You, 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 you were not included. You were conveniently left out. Oh, we, we didn't mean to, though we went to your favorite place and did your favorite thing. You were left out. You felt neglected. You felt taken advantage of. Can I tell you, unforgiveness and hate keeps us looking backwards. And as a result, we can't live the present to its fullest and we can't capture and take hold of what God has for us in the future. Because we're living back here and we're still staying bitter and we're still staying jealous and we're angry and we're resentful and all of a sudden all this has just dwelled and dwelled and dwelled and dwelled and now we're, we're, we're just a cynical, mean person. We only say sarcastic remarks. We're always the doubter. We're always this because we've been hurt and we're looking back here and unforgiveness is making us live life back here when God is calling us here, hear me, hate and unforgiveness, man, it will stunt your growth in Christ. It, it, it blocks your growth in who God has called you and I to become. Because here's what truth I would love for you to get this morning. Is, and it's simply this, is that unforgiveness has a poor exchange rate. Unforgiveness and your life, and your spiritual life has a poor exchange rate. When I go to another country, I love going to countries 
where like when I exchange a dollar, I get like 50,000 pesos. You know what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you know? Um, but you go and like exchange it for the euro and you don't even get like a full euro back. You get like 91 cents, I think, is the exchange rate right now. And can I tell you, unforgiveness always gives you back a whole lot less than you should be getting. We, um, some of you, maybe you have heard of the game Bigger and Better, Bigger and Better. I read about it once uh, in Bob Goff's book, Loved Us. And he talks about how his son, and, and I may be getting the story a uh, little bit skewed, but it's really close to this. He started off with like a, a paper clip and he goes to his neighbors like, hey, what would you give me for this paper clip? And they're like, I'll give you five pins. And then he goes, takes the five pins, like what would you give me for these five pins to a different neighbor? And they're like, I'll give you, you know, um, this calculator. And it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. He ends up with a moose head and he takes a moose head over and keeps straightening up until he's got a ping pong table and he takes a ping pong and eventually from the paper clip, he keeps changing for bigger and better. What will you have for bigger and better, bigger and better from a paper clip or something like that? He ends up with a used Dodge truck. I'm like, man, I wish I would have played that as a kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, if I went and did it because I'm an adult, I, they'd be like, I'm not giving you nothing for that paper clip loser. You know, go back home. Maybe I have Chloe do it because she's cute. You know, what are you giving me for this? Here's the deal. Is that unforgiveness it does not give you bigger and better. It gives you smaller and worse. And, and who wants to play smaller and worse? I, I don't want smaller and worse. I, just listen to the name. Can you give me something smaller and worse than what I'm gonna give you? But that's what unforgiveness and hate does. It gives you a life that is smaller and more limited and worse than the life God wants to give you. And when you forgive, when you let go of it, God says, now I've got something bigger and better for you. Matthew chapter six, verse 14 through 15, Jesus says this, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. That's the bigger and better. Right there, that's the bigger and better. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. You and I could never, ever, ever earn the forgiveness that we received from our heavenly Father. That is a great trait. But Jesus said this, but if you refuse, it's a choice. If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. If you refuse to forgive others, all of a sudden you are too, and hear me, we're gonna get into this in a second, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Forgiveness is a choice. If you choose, if you refuse to forgive others, you're trading what life could be because you're looking back and it's full of bitterness and it's anger and you're trading it for smaller and worse instead of changing it and trading it for bigger and better. That's what God, man, that's what God wants for you. And I, here, forgiving's not easy. It's not, it's hard work. But God doesn't want worse and smaller. He doesn't want smaller and worse for you. He wants bigger and better. Um, the word forgive from the Greek, and I, I really, really love this, from the Greeks, it comes from a word named aphiomi. And aphiomi in the Greek 
literally means to leave behind. To leave behind. Have you ever, parents, we had a baby dedication, have you ever left behind a child? Were you ever left behind as a kid like you were left in the grocery store or the creepiest place to ever be left is in a church, like the old church building that everybody's left? You know, you've all heard stories. That, this isn't an accidental leave behind. That's like an accidental leave behind. This is, you have Here's your unforgiveness, here's your rage, here's your bitterness, here's your, your shame, here's all the, 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 just the resentment that you have. And, and the Bible's the Ephemi moment for you, the forgiving moment, is when you decide to leave it, you choose to leave it behind, and you go on. That's forgiveness. That when something reminds you of it, you don't go back and pick it up and be like, oh yeah, I, I remember. Oh, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time? No, no, no. You lay it down and you move on. You leave it behind. To leave behind. And if a family is leave behind, if that's what forgiveness is, unforgiveness is the exact opposite. It means that we carry all the wrongdoings around with us. We carry it. We don't know why we're always tired. We don't know why we're never happy anymore. We don't know why, man, I don't, I don't know why nobody wants to be my friend. I'm just all bit angry right now because I'm tired of being hurt all the time. Be my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nobody wants to do what I want. And we've become so jaded We've just worn ourselves out and our life is full of bitterness. Because we have unforgiveness, we've got hate, we've got this skewed view of a certain group of people or a skewed view of our spouse or a skewed view of people at work or a skewed view of our kids or our parents or we think people are gonna constantly take advantage of us and we are exhausted because you have not come to the Ephemi moment. You're carrying it around and God's saying, no, 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 this, this right here, this is smaller and worse. This is not why I died on a cross, so that you could carry around the bitterness, the anger, the rage around with you. But I came, according to John 10, 10, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And you and I are called to have an Ephemi moment, to leave it behind and to move on and to live our life looking this way instead of that way. In Ephesians, there's, a, there's Ephesians chapter four, the, the top part that we're getting ready to read, the kind of the sub-chapter title, Paul writes it as instructions for Christians, or that's at least what the NIV author writes, as just instructions for Christians. That's not what Paul wrote. But it says this, in verse 21 through 32 out of Ephesians 4, it says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sin, old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. 
put on, like, and the message says, you know, put, like talks about it as a wardrobe, put on your, your, your all-purpose garment, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Here's one of the traveling companions of hate and unforgiveness. There's anger. Don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And check out verse 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, I'm not a pastor that comes up and like, the devil's making you do that. The devil's making, no, 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 you're choosing to do that. You're just being a moron right now. You know, it's not like the devil made me. Uh, I understand there's spiritual warfare, all that, but a lot of times we just make poor decisions too. But this verse right here, when you have unforgiveness, when you have bitterness, when you have anger, when you have hate, Paul's saying this, don't let that stay in there. Because when you let that stay in there, when you hold on to that unforgiveness, when you hold on to all the wrong that has done, when you hold on to the hate, when you hold on to the anger, it gives the devil a foothold. Now, let me kind of expand on this a little bit. Um, when I'm wrestling with my girls, Charlie and Chloe, we will be, it always turns into me like holding them down and tickling them and they hate it and I love it. I think it's hilarious. Um, and they're like, I'm gonna get you back when you're 70 and you can't move your arms and I'm gonna tickle you down. I'm like, you better bring it because um, I'll probably pee my pants. But um, I, I, I will hold them down to where they almost pee their pants and they know if they're gonna be safe that they've got to run to their room and close their door and lock the door because I'm not going to break down the door just to tickle them, although I've thought about it. But um, so they'll get there and they're running, I mean, they're running, they're like slam the door. And here's what I try to do. Like every dad or sibling, you got in a fight with your brother or your sister and you were the older one putting the beat down, what you do, you don't put your hand in there, do you? No, you're gonna get your hand smashed. You put your foot in there because it goes bong and you get a foothold in. And if I get my foot in there, I can get my hand in there and you know what's coming in? All of me. And all of a sudden, my foothold has become a stronghold. Can I tell you, that's what Satan is wanting. He's just wanting to get his foot in and you can't allow a foothold to become a stronghold. You, you can't allow Satan to have a, a stronghold is simply this, a hold that is strong, deep stuff. He, some of you, he's got a stronghold in your life in unforgiveness, in hate, in anger, in being just cynical and the doubter and the, all, the, all the things. And anger has controlled you long enough. Your marriage has been controlled long enough. You have given Satan a stronghold in your marriage because you have allowed him to have a foothold that has turned into a stronghold. You've allowed Satan to have a foothold into your friendships, into your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your kids, so on and so on on and so on. And God's saying, that's not what you've been called to do. It says, don't, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Verse 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And I will tell you, I've never seen a person with unforgiveness in their life be able to live that verse out. You can't speak encouraging words 
as long as there's hate and unforgiveness reigning in your life. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And verse 31 is Paul's instructions big time. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, if you've been living your life like that, which all that stuff is travel companions of hate and unforgiveness. Instead, stop living your life the way you've been living it. Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, leaving it behind. The Ephemi moment. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness, man, it's not easy. It's not easy. I, I, I know what I'm speaking to you today. There are wrongs I don't know about. There's hurts that are so deep that I can't imagine. But I will tell you this, and it's our last point. You've got to understand, forgiveness is choosing to obey and pray. It's just simply choosing to obey and pray. That's how you get to a place of forgiveness. Here's what John says again in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. It says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, how he instructs us to live, that person is a liar, not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Here's what I would say to you. If you are waiting to forgive till you feel like forgiving or until a person apologizes, you're never gonna get there. And some of us, we're just waiting to feel like forgiving. You're not gonna ever feel like forgiving. That's a lot like going the speed limit for me. We, we were coming back from Branson yesterday and the speed limit was like 65 miles an hour. Now, if, if the highway has 55 miles an hour, to me, that's like going 30 miles an hour on a normal road at 55. I'm like, come on, are you joking me? 55 miles an hour? And we're going back and it's 65 miles an hour and I'm going like 70 to 75 somewhere in there because I don't feel like going the speed limit, right? That's how we operate. And all the officers, you just kind of put your fingers in your ears right now and don't listen to this part. Um, but uh, we were going and we slow down to 65 because somebody's in the passing lane, which is the left lane that you're supposed to use for passing, um, was going 65, which is not a passing speed. And Casey's like, why would somebody go the speed limit and I'm like I don't know you know and, and so like they get over and we've like you know I'm like yes here's the deal I I like going fast because the great theologian Ricky Bobby said this <laughs> second place is the first place loser that's some truth right there Woo, baby Jesus I, I, I love going fast 
And I don't feel like doing the speed limit in the school zone, but I make myself. I, I, I don't feel like going the speed limit on the highway, but I make myself. I choose to obey. And here's the deal. When it comes to forgiveness, you choose to obey to forgive. You don't wait till you feel like forgiving. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter three, verse 13. It says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Paul is saying this, man, you better make allowances. You make, may, better make room for other people's faults because people are going to have faults and they're going to offend you. Should it happen? No. Will it happen? Yes. People are going to talk about you. Should it happen? No. Is it going to happen? Yes. Even if you're doing the right thing with the best motives, are people still going to talk about you? Yes. Should it happen? No. Paul says this, just get ready. He's talking to the church that are meeting all the time. You want to talk about seeing people's faults? We see our family's faults because we're together all the time, right? And here's what he would say to you about your family. Make allowances for each other's faults. Make room. Forgive anyone who offends you because they're going to offend you. Forgive that text message that you read in the wrong tone. Maybe they didn't mean it that way. Forgive somebody that hurt you years ago. Forgive just like Jesus forgave you. And you and I, man, we choose to do that. I love the way the message says it. It says this, it says, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Don't, don't let that anger, don't let that hate turn into unforgiveness and bitterness. But forgive quickly. Don't let it stick around. But leave it behind. Forgive quickly and completely. If we're gonna forgive, we've got to choose to obey. And can I tell you, when we choose to obey, the way you know if you've forgiven completely is that obedience leads to praying. That's how you know. Can you pray for them? Some of you are like, oh, I'll pray for them. Jesus, strike them dead right now. Show them what a moron they are. No, 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 no. Can you pray for them? Because that's how, you, man, that's how you know you've completely forgiven them is now that you are praying over them. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter six, verse 27, out of the amplified version, it says, but I say to you who hear me and pay attention to my words, love, that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies. Make it a practice to do good to those who hate you and bless and show kindness to those who curse you Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans 12, 14 says this, bless those who persecute you, who cause you harm or hardship. Bless and do not curse them. I'm, I'm closing with this. I, I've seen this 
part play out um, for me and Casey. Uh, Casey and I were youth pastors at a church and uh, at several different churches, but one specific church in, in, just in mind when I was preparing this message, um, man, we were there for quite a while and we saw the youth ministry just explode. I mean, we had a great youth ministry. We were there for a long time. Things were going well. We were serving our pastors. We were doing everything we knew to do. The people loved us. We loved the people. Um, it was a great, great experience. Oh, did I do things wrong? Absolutely. I was a young, stupid man. <laughs> but there was just a great experience. And I remember when Casey and I decided, man, there, there's a just, we're feeling a call of God to move to another church. When we left, after we left, this pastor, after us serving him faithfully, not, not doing anything intentionally to ever harm him, but to be loyal to him. I remember from the person I expected at the least, he started destroying my character to other people sort of talking to me about, about me to other staff members, talking about how I had done all these things wrong, all these just things that I shouldn't have been doing, um, forbid me to talk to any of the teenagers that I had made relationships with, even called my pastor at the church I was at and was literally trying to destroy my reputation and my character, destroy the current situation that I was in. And I gotta tell you, it hurt. Because all we had done was pour our heart and our life and sacrifice for almost five, a little over five years to some kids that we loved and we loved that church and I loved that pastor and I did not expect that. And it left me so jaded for the longest time. I didn't like this guy. I didn't want to see this guy. And I would run into him every once in a while and he would pretend like he never did anything wrong and that's the worst to me. Just own it. If you're going to be a jerk, at least own it. He's like, hey, hey, Brother Graves. I'm like, shut up. You're not my brother. I hate you right now. <laughs> I'm just being real right now. This is, this is real life. It's easy for me to preach it, but if you want a real look into a pastor or a person, I'm giving it to you. And I struggled with it. And I had to get to this place where I knew what the Word of God says, but I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to keep living back here, but I had to leave it behind. And so I came to this place where I left it behind. It didn't mean that I said I liked the way that he treated me. It didn't mean that I said it was okay. It just released me to live in the present and to trade for bigger and better. And after we started this church a few years, that pastor got voted out of his church or he left his church under not ethical problems, but just not the best situation. And he decided to go on the mission field and he called me up. He said, hey, Justin, how are you? How's the church going? Like, fantastic, what do you want? <laughs> he told me what he was doing and he said, you know, I'm looking for people to support me. I said, well, let me pray about it and I'll get back with you. I put the phone down. <laughs> Can I tell you what my nature wanted to do? I wanted to call all the pastors like he had done to me, all my colleagues, all my friends, because now I'm in the position to get back at him. This is it. This is like the movie time, you know, like, yeah. Ah, ah. I want to call my colleagues and say, you know what? Don't support this guy. He's a scumbag. This is what he did to me. Don't, don't help him out. 
let him die for what he's, you know, I just, I just wanted to do to him and ruin his reputation like he had done to me. Because he had never apologized. He never asked for my forgiveness. But you know what I did instead? I picked up my phone and I started calling my pastor's friends and my colleagues. I said, you know what? There's a pastor. It's no longer a pastor and he's going on the mission field and we need to get behind him and we need to support him and we need to help him to make a difference for God's kingdom. And he was one of the first missionaries our church ever supported. Here's what I can tell you is when you let go, just like Joseph had, that experience was his brother sold him in a pit. They meant to destroy him, to hurt him. God will take what others meant for harm and use it for his good if you will allow it. That's what God wants to do. But it only happens when you leave it behind and you exchange it for something bigger and something better. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Oh, right where we are. Not where we want to be, but where we're at. Moving us. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Man, if you say, Justin, you know what? I'm, I'm struggling with hate and unforgiveness. I'm there. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? You just say, man, I'm, I'm just struggling. Yeah, there's quite a few hands. You just, man, I'm just struggling with it right now because there's some real things that have gone on and it just keeps me looking back. God, you see every hand that is lifted. You see every hand that was raised. Lord, maybe some of us, we couldn't raise our hand because it's still too fresh. But Lord, this morning, you're not calling us to live life like we feel, but to be obedient to your commands because that's how we know that we're living this out real. And so Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. The Lord, we would choose to obey. That this morning, we would not settle for smaller and worse, but we would exchange all of our feelings. We would exchange what we've been holding on to. That we would have this me moment where we leave it behind. And we exchange it for bigger and better. That we exchange all of the unforgiveness, all the hate, all the rage, all the bitterness for your love, for your joy, for your peace, for your forgiveness, for your mercies that are new every morning, for your unending grace that rolls and moves in our life. God, I pray, bring us to a place where we don't keep living life looking backwards, but we come and we take hold of John 10, 10, and we live life to its full, to a more abundant way, God. I pray that you would move in us. God, we may not feel it, but God, I pray that we would obey it. And that you would move and you would work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here today, I want to give you this chance one more time. You say, Justin, I'm here and I've, I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or you need to recommit your life. If that's you, when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here? Anyone else here before we go any further? Here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up with me across this building. And I want to give every one of us some homework. If you're here and you're struggling with what I talked about today, I love God, but man, I have unforgiveness. I have hate for others. I want 
to encourage you, to challenge you. When you get home, I want you to write out what, what feelings you're struggling with, what happened to you that is, has this hold in your life that you have unforgiveness and you have bitterness and you have rage. And I want you to write down the person who did it for you. And I know you're like, you said to let it go, but now you're bringing it back up. Keep with me. I want you to write it down and I want you to write it down for the last time. And I want you to crumple your paper up and I want you to throw it away in your trash can. And I want you to take your trash can to your dumpster because I don't do any dumpster diving. There's no dumpster diving allowed at this church. You take it to your dumpster and you leave it behind for the last time. That there would be something symbolic. You're just saying, you know what, God? I'm absolutely leaving it behind. And I want you to go through the book of 1 John every day this week and talk about what it really is to be a follower of God. Foundation Church, I love you. I really love what God is doing in this place. And if you raise your hand for salvation, we believe that growing equals changing. And there's a change that needs to happen. We have baptism happening the first Sunday of November. If you would like to get baptized, that's your next step. Go to our Connect Center and sign up, or you can do it online, but get baptized. It is going public with a change that has happened. And you can text the word response to 24587 and we will send information right to your cell phone. I'm going to pray for you and then you guys are dismissed. Lord, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, through this church. And Lord, I pray that as we go out, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, we would be doers of your word. And that we would live this life out to its fullest, fullest measure. Lord, I pray, anoint us, equip us to be found people, that find people, and that we would make your name famous. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. And have a great rest of your Sunday, and we will see you guys next week. Believe, belong, become. Join us in our vision here at Foundations Church. Services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m., and our youth service voltage is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. For more information, you can check us out online at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. 